It'll be on the screen, and I'll read aloud, and you can follow along on the screen from the letter the Apostle Paul wrote to us in the book of Ephesians. I'm not going to fall over on this day. (laughs) But to each one of us, grace has been given. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got grace. It's been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why he says, and Paul here is quoting a poem, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then Paul goes into this little aside in verses 9 and 10. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He, Jesus, who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So, verse 11, so Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Uh, Read verse 12 with me, all of it out loud. Ready? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And then verse 13, until we all, turn to your neighbor and says, that's you. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, what's the word? Mature, attaining to the whole measure of of the fullness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, would it be okay if I just talk to you? Is that all right? Yep. Okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm not going to lose my marbles. <laughs> Too late, someone says. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, um, this is going to be more difficult than I thought. Here, let's, let's do this right here. Uh, I just, I, I want you to know a couple things. I'm going to talk to you about um, 15 ways to love your church, but I, I just want to, I just want to talk to you, and I want you to know that I love you. Um, Shakespeare said, maybe you did this in high school, in English class, he said that parting is such sweet sorrow, and that's so true, because there's sorrow uh, because when you leave, it's sad because you love somebody. Paul has this uh, beautiful phrase to the Corinthians uh, he, he talks about how, you know, hey, you, you need a letter of recommendation, and, and he was referring to a, a, a way people would recommend someone else to someone else when you didn't have Facebook and the ability to email a resume, and, and he says, listen, you're, you're our letter, you, the, the people that Paul says that I've invested in, you're, you're the one, you're the letter, you're the letter of recommendation, you, it's your life. Um, ministry is, is people work. And so uh, it's impact on people that matters, and everything else, honestly, is window dressing. So it's you. It's really you. I, I have my marbles here. Uh, maybe you remember, but um, I think, man, maybe six years ago, I got a, this idea um, that I would count out the number of weeks that I had left, according to actuarial tables, because, you know, the, the mortality rate is 100%. It hovers right at 100%. And they have these tables called actuarial tables that measure, like, based on, you know, your age and your health and how long are you going to last? And they kind of measure that out, and that's how they sell you life insurance. <laughs> and uh, so I measured out the number of weeks that I had, and I put all, I, I took a marble. I was, at first, I was going to take a marble for every day, and then I realized it was going to be hundreds and hundreds of dollars and thousands of marbles. And so I, I got a marble for every week. And I've had them in a bucket in my office, and uh, on Sundays, it's been my practice and will continue to be my practice and as, for as many days as God gives me to take one of those marbles, and then I put it, I've put it in this jar right here as a way to symbolize that, man, you're spending your life. What are you spending your life on? And uh, I, I, I want, I've tried to set an example for you that we're supposed to spend our life on people because it's you. You're what matters. 
And so um, parting is sweet sorrow because uh, I love you. But then there's, there's the sweetness to us because if you've ever done anything new, um, you know that there's some excitement to that. And I'm dropping everything here today. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, it's, it's sweet because something is new. And so um, you know, there's a little bit of that. There's, it's difficult for us to think about you know, the next chapter. But I also want you to think about you and be excited for you because this is a new day. Um, there's a new way of doing things. Real life has in it the potential to be a church of thousands of people and make a massive impact on the region. It already has an amazing impact on the region, but it has in it the ability to do even more. And someone is going to come that God, just as God has prepared us for this next season, God has prepared someone else for this next season to help you. So I want you to be excited about that because because you're not done here. God's not done here. The, the Holy Spirit's not done with the region. And there's great things that are going to come through this. And so the way you compliment any pastor is, number one, to love Jesus. That's, that's the number one thing. And the number two thing is to love his bride, the church. Like, if you, if you liked me, but you hated my wife, I wouldn't really know what to do with you. <laughs> and if you've met my wife, you know she's a, a, a total honey, so I would just know there's something wrong with you. <laughs> But I kind of wonder what Jesus thinks about the people who go, I love Jesus, but I don't like his bride. You know, I don't like the church. I, I, the best compliment you can pay any pastor, me, the next pastor, whoever that is, anyone on staff, is to love Jesus and then to love the church. And this passage in Ephesians, I'm not going to unpack the whole passage for you, but Paul is saying basically that our gifts as leaders in the church are to equip you to do the work of the church. And so that's what we've been talking about. So we've been talking about the purpose of the church, and I want to leave you with this. Um, the purpose of the church is threefold, to love God, to love people, and to serve the world. Uh, so um, I, 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 yesterday, this has been kind of emotional for me, and I promised myself I wouldn't cry, and four of you already made me cry, so uh, more of that's coming. But I, I just, last night I was here, and I, I, there, there were those, those signs out there on the wall. If you haven't seen those signs, it just kind of encapsulates what the mission is. And I read them again. And I took a picture of them, and, um, and the, the one that talks about loving God is, is from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Uh, these commands are to be on your heart. In other words, the, the command to love God is to be with us all, at all times, like the, the, the orienting center that we operate our life out of. And the purpose of the church is to help people get to that place. Uh, so it's about inspiration, the spirit being put into people's lives. And the purpose of the church is also to become a family. You're, you're, you're supposed to belong to a place where people learn to love you and, and grow closer to people. And then the purpose of the church is to be an impact on the community, be, be a force for good. We, we serve the community in Jesus' name. I'm 100% convinced that the local church in God's providence is the hope of the world. Because there's nothing like it. There's nothing more beautiful than it when it's working right. And uh, once you know the purpose of the church, man, I want you to love the church. So let me give you, if I could, 15 ways. This is just me talking to you as a pastor. 15 ways to love your church. And if you, you keep notes, you can, you can follow along as we do this, okay? Here we go. Ready? Number one, love unconditionally. And what I mean by that is that you would love people. Now, we throw that phrase around, don't we? Love unconditionally. Oh, yeah, I know what that means. Well, what does that mean? That means that there are no conditions. In other words, there's no test that you have to pass 
before I'll decide that I love you. Now, maybe this was only boys that did this. I remember this growing up. Uh, we would create a fort, and I've seen my kids do this, you know, signs on the door, no girls allowed, you know, that kind of thing. But when we did it, as, when I was a kid, when, when we, would, we would do that, we had this secret password that you would have to say to get into the fort. And if you didn't say the secret password to get into the fort, you weren't allowed into the fort. Well, it was a condition that you had to meet in order to belong. Well, love unconditionally says there's no secret password that you have to give to get in. We're just going to love you unconditionally. So love people unconditionally. This This was really the secret sauce of Jesus. The tax collectors and the sinners liked Jesus. Listen, the people not like Jesus liked Jesus. That's very... That's very profound. You can say amen to that. (laughs) The the people, not like Jesus, like Jesus. And listen, this was the flip side. The people who were supposedly like Jesus, all the religious people, didn't like people. So be like Jesus. Here's what that translates into. It translates into a, a big front door where anybody is welcome. There's all this hubbub going on about Kanye. Maybe you've seen this in the news. Kanye became a follower of Jesus. He was on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I saw a clip of it. And Jimmy Kimmel was saying, hey, so Kanye, does this mean now you're a Christian artist? Beautiful answer. He said, well, I'm just a Christian everything. And there's all these people who are like Christians who are like, well, we're not sure if it's going to stick. And I'm like, what? You mean Kanye just discovered that Jesus loved him and he gave his life to Jesus? Isn't that the point of the whole thing? And you're going to throw stones at Kanye for all of that? No, no, big front door. Where anybody is welcome. I, I, this is how I like to say it. The church should be inclusive but not affirming. The church should include everybody but not affirm anybody. The, the person we affirm is Jesus because the rest of us are just a mess. Please don't affirm me and my current decisions because I might be too messed up and too dumb to see what's really going on. And we live in a culture where we want to affirm everybody. For, that's stupid. Like, don't do that. Include everybody. Big front door. Love unconditionally. Uh, but assume the best of people. Love, love unconditionally. That's one way you can love your church. Second thing, uh, be kind, honest, and dedicated. Listen, kindness is not weakness. Kindness is kindness. Uh, kindness is strength under control. Think about it that way. Be kind. Be honest. Uh, plain spoken. John Wesley, one of my heroes, he used to say this all the time. He would say, uh, let us, whoa, Wow, we're having some trouble today. Let us speak plainly to one another. In other words, let's just, let's just be honest. Let's just tell the truth. Let's not, let's not, let's not uh, pretend like we're saying one thing when we mean another. Um, Paul says it in Ephesians 4. He says, speak the truth in love. And then be dedicated. That means you can be counted on. Uh, when, you, when you volunteer to serve, the kids need you. So show up that week. Uh, the, the people who are guests, they need you to be there and welcome them and make them feel loved. You know, it also means when you're dedicated, it also means that you aren't giving up on someone. Do you, do you know, those of you who are parents, you know how your kids have gone through rough spots? Right? Is it just me? <laughs> no? Okay, good. It's you too. Uh, you know how your kids have gone through rough spots? And if you're a good parent, you keep loving them even when they're going through their rough spots, Right? So treat the church like you would treat your kids. Be dedicated to God's people through thick and thin. Be kind, be honest, be dedicated. Third thing, pray daily for your pastors and your church. 
You know what I've found? I've found that what I pray for regularly, I tend to think about. And what I think about, I tend to care about. And what I care about, I tend to do something about and try to make it better. See, prayer moves me closer to God, but it also moves me closer to making a difference. And the church is your family, so pray for your family. And, and pastors are leading your family, and your family is a little bit wild and crazy. So you need to pray for the people who are trying to lead that crazy family, right? Do it every day, every day. Uh, fifth, uh, fourth thing, use social media to spread goodness not gossip. Now, you can be on social media, and uh, it, it might be easier to not be on it at all, but if you're on it, um, I, let me give you a filter, okay? If you want to go, should I post this about this situation or circumstance? Does it give life to the person I'm posting about? Even if that's Kanye and you don't even know Kanye. <laughs> Does it add something positive to their life? And if it doesn't pass that little filter test, then just don't post it. But you, here's what you can do. You can brag on people and tag them. I saw so-and-so do such-and-such. It was so amazing. Do you know that I witnessed this thing happen? So use, use social media to spread goodness and not gossip. Five, uh, give generously. Now let me talk about money for a second. Um, maybe you'll hear this differently today, and I put this right in the middle so you couldn't get up and walk out. <laughs> Maybe you'll hear this differently today because you go, oh, you don't have a dog in the fight. So maybe you'll hear this a little bit differently. But the church runs on generosity, generosity of time, generosity of attitude, generosity of money. And uh, money is the lifeblood of the mission of any nonprofit. Ask anybody, that's the YMCA, ask uh, Catholic Charities, you, you name it, World Vision, the church, you have to have, it's like the lifeblood. It's not, it's not the mission. The mission's not money. But it has to be there in order for it to work. And, and let, me, let me just be honest with you for a second, okay? Real life for decades. Dec- you, there's, a, there's a website you can go to and look at all the statistics of any church of the Nazarene. For decades has not been great. There are some of you who give so generously. You're, thank you. Keep it up. But for decades has not been solid on giving and making a massive difference with finance. And listen, I, the issue is not, people will say this to me sometimes, well, you know, things have changed, and, um, you know, there's, uh, there's, um, there's not the money here that used to be here. I don't, I don't know. When people will go blow up a whole paycheck at July the 4th, I don't know if that's the case. Um, it has, that has to change because you... You, you, you need it to make things work. Now, listen, I, I'm so proud. I, I sit around tables. I was at a table this week with some pastors, churches our size and larger and in the Nazarene church, and they'll talk about things. And, and, and a lot of them have twice the giving that our church has, and then we're about the same size. And I'm so proud of you every time I sit around one of those tables because I'm like, you have, we're, and I, I go online and I watch their service and I see there's some of their stuff, and I'm like, we're killing them on half the money. <laughs> We're crushing them. Uh, it, what, what, happen, what happens on a shoestring but shoestring budget? So here's what here's here's what you need to understand is I've I've watched it happen and I've heard people say it. You know, we'll come in and we'll paint something, and uh, someone will get all all honked off because we painted something and like oh, it costs so much money. And I'm like, it costs. Have you been to the paint store? A gallon of paint's 30 bucks. We don't hire it out with a professional painter. We do it ourselves. And we do it to make the building beautiful so that guests feel welcome and at home. 
uh, and, and people will get mad about $30. Don't be that person. Don't, don't be that person. Give generously. You're going to have to do that to change the next generation and reach people. You have to do it. Give generously. Tithe. Give a tenth of your income. I could tell you story after story of people who started giving a tenth of their income. My family has done it for years. People who say, I didn't know how I would make that work. Do it. Give generously. Okay? Uh, Number six. Have a daily and weekly practice for staying connected to Jesus. Let me give you two for a daily practice and two for a weekly practice. Uh, Every day, read the Bible. When you read the Bible, and and the more you read the Bible, here, I've read the Bible for a long time, and uh, the more I read it, the deeper it gets. It paints the picture. When, when When you're feeling weak, you find strength. When you've got no faith, you find faith. When you're lacking peace, you find, I've found over and over and over and over again, because I've put the Bible in front of me on a virtually daily basis for the majority of my life, I'm more like Jesus. It's a way I connect with Jesus every day. And did you know that Jesus read the Bible? Did you know this? Like, he memorized it, and I kind of want to be like Jesus, so I want to do whatever he did. So that's, that's the number one practice daily. The second is that you would pray. If you go, I don't know how to pray, that's why Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. That's a pattern for prayer. So if you go, I don't know how to pray, just work your way through that. Father, let your name be hallowed. I pray that your kingdom would come in my marriage. I pray that your kingdom would come at work. I pray that your kingdom would come in my kids' lives. It's just a pattern. Like, give the bread that my family needs today. We literally need bread. I need a better job. I need that, God. Forgive me for my trespasses, because there's a bunch of them, and help me to forgive the people who trespass again. It's a pattern for prayer. Now, did you also know that Jesus prayed on the regular, right? And again, if you want to be like Jesus, do what he did. There's daily practices. And then weekly, um, uh, worship every week. Just show up here. It's, it's a course correction for your life 52 times a year. Did you know that it was Jesus' regular practice to attend church services? Like weekly? You read the, read the Gospels. On the Sabbath, Jesus was in the synagogue, as was his practice. So if you go, you know, I don't really need it. I'm going to go walk on the beach. That's awesome. Walk on the beach after church. That's, you can get both in. <laughs> Jesus, you know, people are like, I don't need the church. No, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You, you, you find God when you meet here. There, there are people who plan and spend time to make this in an impactful hour every week. Be here. Be here. Um, and the second is you need to be in a group, and you need other people uh, following Jesus. And there's this old, or old sermon illustration about logs on a fire, and, and it's, uh, you know, there's the logs on the fire, and the reason the fire burns brightly is there are multiple logs burning, and if you take one of those logs off the fire and you put it over here by itself, pretty soon it doesn't have the warmth of the whole fire, and the fire goes out. You need to be in, you need to be in a group. My word, this is not going well for me today. Goodness gracious. Sorry, Tom. I lost the clip. I lost the clip on this thing, and that's why this keeps doing this. Sorry about that. Hang with me. Hang with me. You have to hang with me. You don't have a choice. And hey, hey, did you know that Jesus was in a group? Again, daily, weekly practices to stay connected to Jesus. 
Uh, number seven, cheerlead the good things happening in the church. Share it on social media. Talk about it with a friend. Listen, there's always things that you can tear down. You can always find things wrong. Um, I, I just recently married, um, uh, was performed the weddings of, I didn't marry anybody, I'm already married. I performed the weddings for four couples. And uh, did premarital, we I require that couples go through premarital counseling. And um, I always tell them about this guy named John Gottman. John Gottman's the leading uh, researcher on marriage in America. He's probably maybe in the world. And has some really profound things on, on helping your marriage succeed. And he has what he calls the masters of relationship and the disasters of relationship. And he said uh, the reality is, and he's studied thousands and thousands and thousands of couples. He said uh, in, in any relationship there is a massive percentage of difference between one person and the other that are irreconcilable. And I, I don't, I'm not going to quote his percentage, but it's like north of 75%. He's like, listen, your difference is irreconcilable. So to say that you would leave somebody over irreconcilable differences is ridiculous, he said, because that's what the disasters of relationship do. They focus on the things that are different. Because at any time, you come from a different place, and they come from a different place, and different perspectives, and you're trying to merge those two worlds together in a marriage. He said, but the masters of relationship, what they do is they recognize that there are differences. They don't say, no, the differences don't exist, and we're soulmates. And that's not what they do. They just don't focus on the differences and the negativity. They focus on what's positive, and they give it fuel. Well, the same thing is true of the church. You could find things all day long to go, I don't like this, or I don't like that. Don't do that. Find the good and lift it up and cheerlead it. Cheerlead the good things that are happening in the church. Um, Number eight, cultivate humility. Um, The word humility comes from being of the earth. Old timers will say to our people from the south, you got to know where you're coming from, boy. My, 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 My kinfolk on my mom's side are from this little nowhere town in uh, Nady, Arkansas, there is nothing in Nady, uh, literally nothing. When I say nothing, you can Google it. There is nothing in Nady, Arkansas. That's where my mom's from. My, my granddaddy on her side, I think, has a four, had a fourth grade education. On my dad's side, my dad's from this little teeny town in central Kansas called Lyons. Kansas grew up there, raised there. Uh, his dad had a second grade education, worked for the railroad. Like, that's where I'm from. Those are my people. Like, I'm not, I'm not I'm nothing. I'm from that. Cultivate humility means you just understand where you, you're, you're, not that, you're not that big a deal. I'm not that big a deal. There's this guy named Count Zinzendorf who was a leader of Christians in Germany in the 1600s, and he had this beautiful phrase to, to people who preach the gospel. He said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Don't, in other words, don't make a big deal. It's not about you. It's about other people. Do things for the sake of honoring God, not getting acclaimed. This is how Paul says it in 1 Thessalonians. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Mind your own business and work with your hands. That's pretty good advice. Cultivate humility. Number nine, greet church guests like family. There's a sign back there in the volunteer central room, and it says, make people feel welcome and wanted today. Have you ever been somewhere where it's new, and and you walk in for the first time, and you're wondering what people are thinking of you, and are you dressed right? Are you saying things right? Every Sunday, there's somebody here that that it's new. It's their their first Sunday here. So you take it on yourself to be the welcome wagon. Make it your goal to meet somebody new every week and make them feel welcome and wanted. Introduce yourself to someone that you don't know. And see, that, what that does is that lifts the culture of the whole place so that when people walk in, like, those people are amazing. They made me feel so great. Do that. Number 10, regularly invite your friends to church and share your faith. L- listen, the church, 
The church grows because you invite your friends. And, and listen, if you invite one friend, you help them take the on-ramp, you help them get connected to a life group because you're in a life group. You do that, everybody does that, guess what happens? The church doubles in a year. Double the impact simply because you invited somebody. So every time there's a new series, invite somebody. Hey, we're starting this new thing in my church. I'd love for you to go. You may have to invite. I've, I've invited people over and over and over again, and then finally they come. Just, just keep at it. Keep inviting people. Uh, number 11, be part of a life group. Uh, say this a lot. Um, there's this practice. For, some of you are, are in AA. And um, I've heard the stories. I haven't been there. I really, I, I need to go because I want to see this firsthand. But I've heard this story over and over again. When you walk into AA, you walk in as a broken person, not a, not a complete person. And, and you walk in and you sit down and you say, hi, I'm Scott. I'm an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic, but and everybody says, hi, you know, hi, Scott. You lead with your struggle, not your perfection. And what's beautiful about it is no one judges you for your struggle. They're there to help you. The church is supposed to be like that. A life group, when it's really humming, is supposed to be like that. And you and I need that kind of environment in our life. Listen, I'm not telling you that your life group is immediately going to be that. But if you're never in a life group, you're never going to have the opportunity to ever experience that. So be in a life group. Number 12, this is totally selfish. Make food and bring it to the staff. <laughs> this is totally selfish. I, I want you to make the staff work to not gain weight. I, I'm, being, I'm being serious. And, and that's, listen, it's another way of saying take care of the staff. Um, appreciation is fuel. Just appreciate what they do and show it. Uh, pastoring, um, working on a church staff, it's more like a 24-7 job. So give a lot of allowances for that. There's, it's not really an 8-to-5 job, though there are hours and there's office hours and all of those kinds of things. And, and when you're a pastor, you're kind of like a teacher and a counselor and a business owner and an administrator and a life coach and an entrepreneur and a fundraiser. And nobody can do all of that well. Nobody. No, nobody's great at all that stuff. So just take care of them and make them feel loved and valued. Put fuel in their tank all the time because they need it. And they're going to do the same to you. They're going to thank you for serving and being here and being a part of it. They're going to do that for you, but take care of them. Number 13, refuse to make the church about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. So don't let phrases like this come out of your mouth, okay? And when they do, go, oh, oh, I don't want that phrase. You know, I just don't really like the, I, I didn't know, I don't, I don't know if I liked that song. Well, I'm not really being fed, or we didn't do it that way before, or we're looking for a church that, all those phrases are how you make a church selfish. Don't do that. It's not about you. It's about Jesus, and then it's about the people that Jesus loves. It's not about you. So refuse to make the church about you. Uh, number 14, laugh. Uh, don't, don't take yourself seriously. You're not that big a deal, and neither am I. But the mission that Jesus has given the church is so important. Take it so seriously. But have fun along the way and laugh. And then this is the 15th, this is the 15th thing, is to encourage the next generation. Listen, our kids are everything. Kids are everything. It's always... The church is, the line is, the church is always one generation away from extinction. So kids and students, man, they are so important.
important. We had a lady in our church growing up, Mary Jean. Mary Jean was, uh, I think, in her 60s. And she led uh, our kids' ministry every week. I can still remember the songs. This was before there were video clips that you could play for kids. These little songs, there was uh, this little song with a, a stop sign. On, it was a red stop sign. You would turn around and say, go, go on the other side. And it would be stop and tell the story what the Lord has done for you. Stop and tell the story. I can still remember all these little songs because Mary Jean in her 60s, could have focused on herself, could have been made that church about her, but she didn't make that church about her. She made it about the next generation. You matter. Listen, you matter. You matter incredibly. And you've got issues in your life wherever you are. And if you're, you're, you're older, you've got issues in your life. You've got aches and you've got pains and you've got losses and you've got hurts and you've got family stuff. And th- that all matters. But focus on the next generation. I, um, I one time took some middle schoolers on this trip. I, I think I've probably told you the story before. I took some middle schoolers on this trip um, in West Virginia. We went on this kind of adventure week, and we went rock climbing in this place. It's kind of hard to describe how it was, but it was rock climbing, but you were roped in and secure. And, and I went one time to see what it was like, and the guide took me, and I was terrified because I was just focused on me the whole time. I got through it. But the next time that I went, I had a middle schooler right behind me. And so instead of me focusing on what I was afraid of and my fear, I was looking at the next generation and I was saying, hey, you got this. Now, okay, now what you need to do is lift your foot up just a little bit and then put your foot right there. Now put your hand up there. Okay, you got it. Good job, good job, good job. And I realized I got all the way through it and I realized I didn't have any fear that entire time. Why? Because I was focused on the next generation. That's how you can love that's how you can love your church. Um, I want to give you a blessing, and I, uh, some, some folks are going to come up and do a couple things after that, so you need to, you need to sit for this blessing. Um, but this is a blessing from the book of Hebrews, and I wanted to leave you with a biblical blessing so you could read it again. I'll, I'm going to post it on social media today. Um, but this is from Hebrews chapter 13. And Would you do this? this is, we've done this practice, and I love it so much if you would hold out your hands and receive this blessing. And I'm going to read it so I don't miss a word of it. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Well, as many of you know, today is Scott, our lead pastor's last Sunday with us. And we just want to, we just want to send him well. As <laughs> it's a bad day, I'm you telling you. It's like it's like I don't know what day. it is. It's just like <laughs> As with anything in the family of God, he's not doing this alone. He's going. But we have the privilege of sending him where he's going. So I'm going to have Andrea come up as well. Scott has led our church for the last seven years. And you guys can come up front. 
and has done so through a lot of great times and a lot of difficult transitions, but has done so with grace and generosity throughout. And for that, we're thankful. Week in and week out, Scott has faithfully taught us God's word and helped us apply it to our lives. And for that, we're thankful. He's encouraged all of us to say it with me, love God, love people, and serve the world in Jesus' name. And for that, we're thankful. All of us have a real-life story, what it is that, that brought us here that Sunday that we started going. We have that story. For me, I came here with a lot of pain from a previous church experience. But Scott and his family, they never shied away from that. As a matter of fact, Scott stepped into my life at a time when I was hurting and he helped me work through that pain and was okay with the whole process. And through that process, Scott became my pastor, a mentor, and my friend. But I know that my story's not unique. I know that that has been the case for many of you through the last seven years, that this family has made a difference in your life. And for that, we're thankful. I think the phrase that Scott has said to me more than any other phrase over the last seven years is, Aaron, I believe in you. And I think he said it enough that I started to believe it again for myself. So it's my honor and it's my privilege to stand up here today and say, Scott, we believe in you. And as a church, we do believe in you. So now we get, a, we get a sin, so I want to I wrap this up in prayer, but what I want you to do as a sign of sending the Marshall family to their new church, I just want to have you reach out your hand as if you're praying for them as well, and if you would, just join me in prayer. God, we are so thankful for the last seven years and the leadership that Scott and Andrea and their family have brought to our church. God, but we know that things change and people move and, and in your kingdom that's okay because now we have a brother and sister in another place in the country and for that we're thankful. And so God, we want to send them now in your grace and your power to lead a new group of people closer to you as they've done for us. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, who's made us brothers and sisters forever. 
Amen.